Are you worried about the impact of COVID-19 on your finances? Have you lost your job or could you lose your job? Would you like to learn God's way of managing money so you can experience God's peace in the area of finances? If yes, then you should listen to this half-hour series presented by Tom Copeland on the topic, Managing Money Through Difficult Times, Including a Pandemic. Now, here's Tom teaching and explaining how you can manage money and experience God's peace during a pandemic such as COVID-19. I would like to welcome you to our third session on the topic, Managing Money During Difficult Times, Including a Pandemic. At the time of recording, millions of people have lost their jobs as a result of the recession caused by COVID-19. In this session, I'm going to deal with three areas. First, I will provide some additional words of comfort so that you can experience God's peace in the area of finances, notwithstanding the challenges of COVID-19. Secondly, I will explain to you and demonstrate that how you manage money will impact your relationship with your spouse. And thirdly, I will teach you the practical application of the biblical financial principles so that you can learn to manage money better and so that you can experience God's peace in the area of finances and also get your financial house in better shape. First, dealing with fear and anxiety and experiencing God's peace in the area of finances. The fear and anxiety arising from COVID-19 can make you feel like you're going through a dark valley. I would encourage you as David did in Psalms 23 where he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. In other words, God promised to shepherd us, provide for our needs, and restore us. David continues, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and some of you may feel that today with COVID-19, valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, David prayed. For you, the Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, David feared no evil, regardless of the valley, which would include COVID-19, because God was with him and guiding him all the way. Psalms 23 continues, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the conclusion, God will heal us, God will comfort us and bless us in heaven and with him forever. Further, as a result of COVID-19, there is negative news from the media every day. More people are catching the virus and some are dying. The government has shut down many businesses and millions of people are out of work. Most people are discouraged and some people are totally depressed. However, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul provides this beneficial instruction. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, God promises his peace regardless of COVID-19 or any other trial that you're facing. We thank the Lord for that. Further, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Recommendation, focus on prayer and God's blessings in your life and not the negative news from the media. Are you still burdened and worried about your finances because of COVID-19? In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus went on to say, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus encourages us to come to him asking for his help and then yoking with him, that is, depending on God to carry the heavy part of the load. Many people have lost their jobs as a result of COVID-19, so 
They need to accept Christ's invitation to depend on the Lord to carry the heavy part of their financial burden. Further, in Isaiah 46, 4, it says, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. What a, what a great promise from the Lord. God's going to carry us and sustain us. So I would encourage you, do not give up. Depend on God to carry you through the financial challenges that you're facing as a result of COVID-19. And further, regardless of how difficult our financial problems are, God can solve them either quickly or slowly. As indicated in Psalms 103.19 and many other scriptures, God is in control. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He has a purpose for every trial that he allows in the believer's life, including COVID-19, and God can bring some good out of every hardship. In Romans 8.28, that well-known verse, it says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. For example, we often grow spiritually more during trials and God draws us into a closer relationship with Himself. Because God is in control and because He loves us unconditionally, we know that we can trust God to allow only those financial trials that are within His will. In other words, if you're out of a job and you're experiencing some financial trials, I can assure you, and you're a Christian, this is God's will for you at the present time. God will provide His wisdom and direction and strength that we need to endure any trial, whether it's caused by COVID-19 or any other reasons. Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Are you stressed by financial problems caused by COVID-19 that you don't know what to do and you don't even know what to pray? First, remember you're not alone. Jesus said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Secondly, don't worry. Rather, spend time with the Lord and allow God through His Holy Spirit to pray on your behalf. Romans 8.26 says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. I've claimed this scripture a number of times in my life when there were, there were times I was wondering, what's God doing in my life? Why is He allowing these trials? And sometimes I'll just go quiet, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him, Psalms 37, 7, and just pray and ask God to have through His Holy Spirit pray on my behalf. And often as I'm there quiet and listening for the Lord, He'll, he'll guide me to a scripture and, and, and direct me in, in one way or another. Uh, on what I should pray and, and how I should pray and, and often what I should do as well. And ask God to comfort you. Paul said, Praise be to God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those with any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. In summary, spend time with the Lord, allow God to comfort you and to speak to you. The next question, are you under financial stress because of COVID-19 and you don't know what to do? If yes, here's some biblically-based financial advice. First, spend quality time with the Lord in prayer, reading God's Word on finances, and ask God to speak to you through His Word. His Word is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So depending upon God, John 15, 5, seek God's wisdom and God's specific direction in making any future financial decisions. And be sure to have Jesus' mindset, Father, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, be willing to do what God wants you to do, not what you want to do. Discern what the Lord wants you to do, because choosing God's and discerning God's will and doing what God wants you to do is always going to be the best decision from a long-term basis. If you do these things, God will direct you in making the wisest financial decisions. Psalms 25.12 says, Who then is the man or the woman who fears the Lord? God will instruct him in the way chosen for him. 
So the next question I have for you, do you feel overwhelmed by financial problems because of COVID-19? Here are some practical steps to reduce your financial stress. This is really practical. First of all, review your bank and credit card statements to determine where your money's been spent for the last six months. Most people do not track their expenses. They don't really know where their money's going and if they're married, often he's spending money she's not aware of, she's spending money he's not aware of. If you're married, you really need to do this together as a couple. But look at where you spent your money over the last six, 12 months um, and also determine what, what was a need, what was a want and desire. And, and, and I've seen so many cases where people have accumulated significant debt and if they just hadn't spent the money on wants and desires, things that they didn't really need, they, they wouldn't have the debt. But anyhow, go back through it and see where your money's going. Then develop a budget to ensure that you spend less than you earn and you have a surplus each debt, each, each month. And you're probably going to have to eliminate some unnecessary expenses. I want to stop there for a second. Managing your monthly cash flow is really critical. It's really, really important. Most people don't manage their monthly cash flow well. And what happens, they unintentionally spend more than they're making, especially with credit cards and lines of credit. They accumulate debt. They, I've never had a couple or an individual come to me after several years of accumulating debt on credit cards and lines of credit and saying, hey, Tom, we reached our five-year goal. We're up to our eyeballs in debt. Our marriage relationship is stressed because we're arguing about finances all the time. No one ever came to me and, and said that. What they basically say is, how did we get into this financial mess? It's, it just happens gradually, very, very slowly over time where people with easy credit today, credit cards, lines of credit, 0% financing on cars, it's so easy to get into debt so quickly. The third thing I'd recommend is use that surplus to pay down your most expensive debt first, which is usually the credit cards, and then work on paying down your other debt. So you've got to have a monthly surplus or you're not going to be able to pay down debt. And save some money for emergencies. I was counseling a lady not long ago, and I counseled her some time ago to, to have a $3,000 saved for emergencies. Not a coincidence. Uh, this last week, she had a, a car repair that was quite expensive. Uh, her, her dog got ill. She had to take him to the vet. She had some expenses she didn't expect. And guess what? She followed the biblical principles. She had, some, she had an emergency fund, and she was able to pay for those things without going into debt. And in prior years, she would have, would have gone into debt. So save money for emergencies. It's biblical. In Proverbs 21:20, in the house of the wise, there's a store of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. And most importantly, spend quality time with the Lord daily, asking God for his wisdom and direction in managing money. In Isaiah 48:17, God gave us this awesome promise. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you and who directs you in the way you should go. I'd like to now talk about how management of money impacts your relationship with your spouse. Most people are not aware of this. I find many people believe that how they manage money is totally independent or has no impact on their relationship with their spouse. This is not true. Uh, this is not true. Um, I'd like to demonstrate this truth by sharing a typical situation that I hear almost every week. Someone calls me on the phone, it could be the wife or the husband, indicating that they and their spouse are having financial difficulties. Generally speaking, one or both spouses have been spending more than they've earning, accumulating debt on credit cards, lines of credit, car loans, whatever. And as the debts accumulate, as the debt goes up, the stress goes up in the relationship. And as they accumulate over several years, the results in stressful arguments between husband and wife, and almost always the marriage relationship uh, deteriorates. Without me asking anything about their marriage relationship, often the wife or the husband will share that their marriage is in serious trouble. What's interesting is this, I don't ask any questions about their marriage relationship. And sometimes I comment, I'm a financial counselor, I'm not a marriage counselor, but nevertheless they still share their marriage relationship problems as they're sharing, talking about their financial problems. 
Now, some of you may think, why would any couple uh, share about their marriage relation problems when they're going to a financial advisor? It doesn't make sense. It's because the financial problems and the marriage relationship problems are strongly interconnected. And most people do not understand the connection. And often they don't understand it until it's too late and the relationship's been destroyed. And so often what started out as a financial problem many years ago that was not resolved has now developed into some very serious marriage or relationship problems which if they're not dealt with quickly will likely result in separation and divorce. I'd say another thing, as a matter of fact, about a third of the people we counsel in the ministry are separated and divorced. And in almost every case, they, they comment that finances was the number one thing they argued about. And, uh, and again, most of the time, there was actually enough money if, if they were both managing money well. So one thing I say to couples, do not ignore your financial problems. Most people ignore them because the financial problems can easily destroy your marriage. Proverbs 22.3 is a powerful scripture. A prudent man sees danger. It could be a prudent woman as well. They see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. I'm going to say that verse again. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Here's a very common example. A wife calls me explaining that he, she and her husband are in a financial mess. Among other reasons, the husband purchased a new vehicle with 0% financing and has bought numerous tools that he didn't really need on credit, all without consulting her and all without developing a budget to see if they could afford the loan payments. The wife is very angry. She explains that she has withdrawn from her husband emotionally and that she has moved out of the bedroom and since his physical needs are not being met, he gets very angry and no longer meets her emotional needs and the marriage ends up in a downward spiral. I encourage the wife not to be bitter, not let bitterness take hold of her heart because the Bible says, do not let the sun go down in your anger do not give the devil a foothold. And to the men I say, I say be aware. If you buy things you don't need and accumulate debt, it can easily destroy your physical and emotional intimacy with your wife. And to both husband and wives, I strongly recommend that you discuss your financial problems. You have a financial plan, that's a budget, before you spend money of any significance. And I can also say this, lack of communication between a couple can easily result in financial, major financial problems and also major relationship problems. So you need to develop that budget together and communicate above it, about it and, and agree on a, on a short-term financial plan, which is a budget. Here's a common example for, with the wife. The wife regularly goes to the shopping mall buying things that she does not need on a credit card. The accumulation of debt are, triggers arguments between the husband and wife, negatively impact the marriage relationship. Over time, the husband withdraws and no longer connects with his wife emotionally. Ladies, if you spend money unnecessarily and accumulate debt, it can easily destroy your relationship with your husband. And I can say since 1982, I've provided biblical financial counsel to thousands of couples who have followed God's financial principles. And I can say that the biblical principles, they work if people follow them. I could give thousands of examples, but here's one that comes to mind. Several years ago, a pastor called me indicating he had been counseling a couple whose marriage was in serious trouble. They had already separated and he told me straight up that he did not think the marriage could be saved. But he did notice that finances was one major area they argued about frequently, so he referred them to me for some biblically-based financial counsel. Here's what happened. What did I do? I connected with them. They explained their financial problems and some of the relationship problems. Again, I didn't ask about the relationship problems, but they explained them anyhow, which is fine. I, I listened. What did I do? I focused on the financial issues. I taught them God's way of managing money, helped them develop and implement a budget, recommended that they meditate on certain scriptures that related to some of the financial areas that they were struggling with. 
Over the next year, they went through my in-depth biblical financial study, financial management God's way, and God through his word and his spirit, wasn't me, but God did it, enabled them, enabled them to change the way they think about and also how they manage money. About one year later, the husband emailed me and thanked me for the financial advice. He explained they had learned and applied biblical financial principles, which relieved significant financial stress, and that their marriage relationship had healed. And as a matter of fact, he told me they fell in love again. And that was, that was just awesome. That really touched my heart. And I've seen a number of cases where just through giving biblical financial advice to a couple that's stressed out over finances can actually end up taking off that financial pressure off them and, and, and actually save the marriage. The next thing I want to talk about is God's admonition to plan ahead. In the parable of the tower, Christ admonished us to plan ahead. Here's what he said. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. In other words, if someone doesn't plan ahead financially, they're foolish. The most practical way to plan your finances is to develop and implement a budget. If you don't like the word budget, call it a, a spending plan. And further in Proverbs 27:23, God instructed his people, be sure you know the condition of your flocks, give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. The modern day application of this principle, remember people were farmers at that time, but the modern day application is to know where your money is being spent, know where you're at financially. Most people do not know where their money is going. And often after they, they start to track their expenses, there can be some surprises on how much they spend on entertainment, eating out, or whatever categories. They'd be quite surprised sometime. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established, through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Most people do not have under, a good understanding of their financial facts. They don't have understanding of their debts, the repayment terms, interest rates, and most do not have a biblically-based plan to pay off all their debts and to become debt-free. In order to track your expenses, uh, consider form number six of the Copeland budgeting system. If you want to develop and implement a budget, look at our entire budgeting system. The price is right. It's free. It can be downloaded uh, from our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. And there's a PDF data file there that explains how to use it, or you can watch the 30-minute video. The bottom line is God admonishes us that we should plan ahead, and a budget is a tool, if it's used properly, will be effective in planning your finances. I'd like to now demonstrate three common examples of people's uh, finances, their, their, their budgets. Here's the first one. The initial budget is, this is what we find when people first uh, start to, to try to put together a budget. It doesn't include all their expenses. Okay, the second one is what I call a typical budget, spending a little more than you're earning and accumulating debt. This second budget I'd like to present represents the most common situation uh, we see with couples and individuals today. Really common because of easy credit. And the third one is a budget where um, the individual or couple are spending way too much and they have to make some significant downsize decisions. Um, they've accumulated the debt and the lines of credit. So here's an example of uh, what we call an initial budget of what somebody's finances look, uh, look like at the beginning. I'm gonna take it right from read through the Copeland budgeting step. Form number one, and this is going to be common to uh, all, all scenarios here. The balance sheet will be, be common, the assets and the liabilities. They have $1,000 in their, their checking account. They have $10,000 in their of investments at the personal level. That could be a TFSA. They have a, a house that's worth $400,000. He has um, an RSP of $50,000. She has an RSP of $20,000. 
But uh, here's on the liability side. They have credit cards in total, several of them. They've accumulated $15,000. They got personal loans of $30,000. And they got $50,000 worth of, um, of um, personal line of credit. Now, right away, I can actually tell what's going on with this situation for this, this couple in that um, they've, they've got the personal loans, they've got the personal line of credit. I can pretty well guess they've been spending more than they've been making for a number of years. They've run up the credit cards, they've probably taken out a personal line of credit probably two or three times, paid off the credit cards, thinking they solved their problem, but they didn't solve their problem at all. They continued um, the underlying problem, they're spending more than they're making. So they're back into a financial bind again. They got significant credit card debt. They ran up the personal lines of credit, and they've even borrowed from some family members. They got some personal loans. So let's go to form number uh, number two for a second. And this is a real simple one. It just shows, shows the income for a typical month. In this case, the husband works full-time and earns $4,000 a month after tax. The wife works part-time. She earns $1,000 after tax. And just assume they have two kids. Um, okay, we go to um, form number three, and you can see most of this they haven't completed. And I'll come back to that in a minute. Those are the non-monthly expenses. Form number five gives the overview of their situation. Donations is $200 a month. They used to... Uh, give 10% to the Lord's work, but they don't anymore because, as they say always, the debt goes up, the giving goes down. They have, you can see their mortgage payment, their property taxes. Everything is on here that they've accounted for, but some things like house maintenance, insurance, some costs have not been accounted for. And if you go through this, basically, uh, you can see there's a number of costs that they haven't accounted for. And if you look at it bottom line, what it normally is, if we go back to form number, form number three, it's the non-monthly expenses. Most people, when they develop their initial budget, they do not consider their non-monthly expenses, and that's what they've done here, and they need to factor that in. So I now like to um, go to the typical budget where the, where the couple has indeed factored in their non-monthly expenses, but it shows that they're making a little more than, they're, they're spending a little more than they're making. Okay, so here's the typical budget. The assets are exactly the same as what I provided in the first scenario for the initial budget, and the liabilities are the same, same problem. Same, this is the same, same couple. Um, they spent more than they're making for a number of years, accumulate debt in the credit cards, they use the personal line of credit to pay it off, etc. If you go to form number two, um, they have the same income. But the difference with this now is, is that this, this couple, they've actually, um, they've, they've, they've completed form number three, okay? They've completed form number three. House maintenance, $1,800 a year, and the computer, the program, the template automatically divides by 12, makes it 150. Property taxes, $3,600 a year. Again, that's $300 a month. If you go through all of these, um, auto repairs and maintenance, they've got two cars and they're estimating their auto repairs to be about $2,400 a year for the two cars. And that's, that's usually common, about $100 a month. Um, and so, but they, they got two cars, so they've got to set aside $200 a month for, um, for auto repairs. Auto insurance, uh, they, and again, $2,200 a, a year, $183 a month. And you can see they've, this couple has factored in, this is the same couple as in the first scenario, but this, this time they factored in their non-monthly expenses. And you can see that on the non-monthly expenses, they've got $1,258 per month of non-monthly expenses. And if you now go to form number, um, form number five, you, they've, these, they've all, once you put them in form number three, it all comes through into form number five. And here's the key. Once they factored in their non-monthly expenses, they have a deficit of $808 per month. That explains why they're in debt. They've been spending more than they're making. They, 
I, I sit down with so many people, and when they prepare their initial budget, they think, well, we actually have a surplus. We're in good shape on a monthly basis. No, no you're not. Uh, they have, if you don't factor in your non-monthly expenses, you can be deceived. You can start to think you have a monthly surplus when, in fact, you don't. And you put in some of those expenses that occur once a year or just several times a year, or some of them like car expenses and house, house expense, car repairs and house repairs, when you don't know when they're going to occur, but they do occur, that's for sure. Um, you need to put in estimates of those, and when you figure it all out, and this couple's figured it all out, they actually have an, a deficit of about $800 a month, and it explains why their debt's been going up. If you do the math, that's about $10,000 a year. That explains why their debt's been going up and up and up over the last several years. They haven't been managing their monthly cash flow uh, properly. So I'm now going to go to uh, the next scenario, which shows a couple that's accumulated so much debt that um, they have to do some major, major downsizing. Okay, and the same with their, their assets and liabilities. They're basically uh, the same, except this couple decided to buy a more expensive home. They got a house that's worth $675,000. And of course, because of that, they got a considerably bigger mortgage, $375,000 versus the other couple that had a much smaller mortgage. And in this scenario here, if we go to form number two, they, they have the same level of income. He makes $4,000 a month after tax. She makes $1,000 a month after tax. She works part-time. You go to form number three. They have accounted for their non-monthly expenses, but in this case, they got a bigger house, so there's more house maintenance. You'll see later there's more utilities, etc. There's more property taxes are higher with the more expensive home and the bigger home. Auto repairs, um, $2,400 a year. They're the same. The insurance is the same. Healthcare, they're averaging about $1,500 a year, so that's a cost of about 125 a month. And by the way, you can see these numbers for the non-monthly expenses, it comes up to $1,533 per month. Ideally, this couple should be putting that kind of money aside into a savings account and then keeping track of it and have the, so they have the money. So when that auto repair comes up, they have some money in the bank to pay for it. When the, um, the insurance premium comes up for the car once a year, they have the money. Even when the vacation, a lot of people don't save for their vacation. You can see they're planning to take a vacation next year for $2,100. They should be setting aside $175 per month in order so they don't have to put on, on the credit cards. And if you want to keep track of your, um, your, how, how you, your savings are allocated in your savings account, you can go to form number four and it, it basically uh, shows you how to do that. But I'm not going to get into details on that. You can get that from our website. But here's the key, what I'm trying to emphasize here. Here's a couple, they have a bigger house, they have a bigger mortgage, they got more property taxes, more utilities, etc. And because of that, even though they're living a lifestyle similar to the other couple, they're actually got a deficit of over $2,000 per month. And the problem here is they have so much debt and such a, they have to downsize their house. They have no choice. They have to downsize their house. They probably even have to go from two cars to one car. They got to make some major lifestyle changes. The couple with the... Um, the, the, the typical budget where they just were spending about $800 per month more than they, than they had coming in, generally speaking, if they just lower their discretionary expenses often or maybe go from two cars to one, they can usually keep their home and, and be able to continue with their lifestyle on the most part, except maybe they go with one car instead of two. But this is a couple that's left it so long and they have an expensive, more expensive house and a bigger mortgage. They have so much debt that they've accumulated and such a big negative cash flow. This couple clearly has to sell their home. They've got to downsize significantly. They've got to sell one of their cars. And hopefully they can, once they work out a new budget, they'll be able to afford to buy a more modest home. 
Um, we'd only have to work through the figures to, to figure that out. But that's just a big picture overview of some of the three scenarios that I see are very common, which people run into. And if you'd like to learn more about this, go to copelandfinancialministries.org. You can download our, our Excel-based budgeting system. It's free. There's a 30-minute video there that goes into more detail than what I've done here. Just go to the website and send us an email, and we can, we can help you with that.